And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I'm encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW Double or Nothing 2021. Now, as you can hear clearly in the tone of my voice, I'm a little bit enraged. I'm a little pissed off. I'm a little angry. And I'm going to be explaining throughout the show why I'm angry, why I'm a little frustrated, why I've got some uh, camel crush here in the studio to kind of calm my nerves and try not to get me too hyper while at the same time chugging a large amount of Pepsi because at the time that I am recording this, ladies and gentlemen, it is Memorial Day and it is 1.38 in the morning. And I actually have to be up early because later on today, I have to take Buff Bagwell, yes, that Buff Bagwell, to the airport. So I got a lot of shit to do. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm probably going to be here a while because as you guys know, I like to be exact with my recaps. So rather than waste a lot of time ranting and raving about other shit. I'm just going to work it in to the recap as we go on. So we're going to kick things off with the first official match of the evening because I did not watch the buy-in because as you guys know, the Boots does not do pre-shows. The Boots could give a fuck less about the pre-show or the buy-in or whatever the hell you want to call it. If it's not on the main show, I don't give a fuck. Now there have been times where I have given a fuck. But they've been very rare times. I don't care about pre-show. So the buy-in match, especially since one of the people in the buy-in match I think is absolute garbage. The other I think is extremely talented, but didn't watch it. But we get to the first official match of the evening. We had Hangman Adam Page versus The Machine, Brian Cage. Now, before I get into this match, I do have a little bit of ranting I have to do here. I literally just finished watching this match about two minutes before I hit record and started this podcast. I just finished watching this episode. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Booch, the pay-per-view started at 8 o'clock. How are you just now watching the first official match? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you why. Because, as you guys know, there are usually two other people that do the AEW recaps. Now, I did agree that I would be here for the pay-per-views, but because of the hectic schedule that I have, I am not able to sit through an episode of Dynamite every week. I usually catch the highlights on the internet. So to give a proper recap, I hand it over to the two other AEW correspondents. They are, of course, Elvis Delinsky and Desmond Dagenhart. Well, as I mentioned before, Elvis is on vacation in Myrtle Beach. If you heard the go-home recap of Dynamite that I did with Desmond, you already know this. Elvis is in Myrtle Beach. So he was not able to do this recap. Well, Desmond, although he was able to recap Dynamite with me, was not able to do the recap here because he was very, very tired because he just came back from Alabama. Now, I went to Desmond's house to watch the pay-per-view, but he was so tired, he was falling in and out of consciousness during the pay-per-view, but was able to stay awake long enough to see the good parts of the show. But when I got to Desmond's house, it was about 7.45, 7.50, because I had a lot of things to do here at the house before I went to Desmond's. And when I get there, here's what happened. First of all, we were struggling to get the internet to work in his house so we could see the pay-per-view because we 
have, as we like to call, a special treat that we use to see the pay-per-views without having to buy it off the Bleacher Report because I am not going to spend 40, 50 bucks on a pay-per-view. Those days are over for me. And also, even though they allow it on Fight TV, it's only on Fight TV outside of the country, which doesn't make any fucking sense to me, but that's how AEW wants to do business, so whatever. So we go and try to find ways to watch this online, and we're struggling to make that happen. As we are struggling to make that happen, we are also dealing with my niece and my nephew, who are Desmond's uh, unofficial stepdaughter and his son, being crazy, hyperactive, basically acting the way kids do, which normally is not a big deal, except when we're trying to deal with something important, they have a tendency to try to make everything all about them, and they're constantly vying for our attention, they're trying to compete to see whose attention they can get first, they're like, Uncle Vinny, Uncle Vinny, Uncle Vinny, which normally I love, I love my niece, I love my nephew, I love them as if they were my own kids, and like their parents, I would do anything for them, so don't get it twisted, I love my niece and nephew, they are like family to me, just like their parents are. They are family to me. But on this particular day, I wasn't having it, and neither was Desmond. So we were dealing with the drama from that, while also trying to get the internet to work. So by the time we got the whole thing working, we pretty much reached the end of the tag team title match, which is the second match on the card, which I will get to that in a moment. But So I was not able to see the whole match. I had to wait till I got back to the house while the, after the whole pay-per-view was done, and we got back to the house, and I was able to watch the first match, and then turn this on and talk to you guys. So we had to deal with all this bullshit. Finally, we used the downstairs TV, which we got from this friend that was over, and he was watching The Big Bang Theory, and I don't want to get into The Big Bang Theory, but um, we finally got that off the TV, and we were able to watch AEW. So that's why I missed the first match, and I had to get that off my chest. Now that I have, on to the match. The match was a fantastic opener to this show, bar none. This was amazing back-and-forth action. Some of the best back-and-forth action I have ever seen. Like, one thing you're gonna, I'm going to say about this overall pay-per-view is that AEW, for the first time in a very long time, delivered on pay-per-view. Because the last couple pay-per-views I've seen them do have sucked. Because if you remember, Elvis and I trashed AEW Revolution back in March and we had trashed last year's All Out. So, usually on pay-per-view, AEW hasn't delivered. On this night, they did. Now, there were some things that sucked, and I will point those out, but they fucking delivered. This match, loved it. Brian Cage, Adam Page, everything was done on point, on task. The crowd was on their feet, and it was full to capacity, and Adam Page not only got the win, but finally got the respect that he fucking deserves. Because th the booking committee has treated him like dog shit for months. And this was Adam Page getting back to Adam Page. Getting back to being the hangman. Getting back to doing cowboy shit. And I couldn't be happier. Now, my only criticism about this match is the fact that when Brian Cage went for the buckshot lariat, he just did the flip and kind of stood there. There was no counter or anything. They kind of just paused for a moment. I didn't like that. Also, I felt the interference wasn't necessary. They didn't need it. Like, I like it. Like, Ricky Starks came in, threw the belt at uh, Brian Cage. Brian Cage threw the belt back out, said, I don't want to win this way. Adam Pace took advantage of it. Brian Cage tried to fight out. But then after he sends him over the ropes, he goes and yells at Hook, turns around, gets hit by a buckshot lariat. One, two, three. 
three, Adam Page wins the match. Now, I'm obviously glad that Adam Page won the match because that's exactly what should have happened because Adam Page needed this win more than the machine did. But for him to go immediately talk to Hook after throwing him over just to set up a buckshot lariat looked stupid to me. It made Brian Cage look like a fucking idiot. It made him look like a meathead, that he's all muscle and no brain. Because any idiot would know you throw Adam Page over the ropes and he doesn't fall to the floor, he's probably going to hit you with a buckshot fucking lariat. So that was dumb on his part. It made it made him look stupid. And the worst part is there was no beat down afterwards. There was just a confrontation. He was about to hit Ricky Stars. Ricky tries to remind him, I have a bad neck. He goes to look at Hook, just kind of shoves him out of the way and walks away. And you got Taz yelling, screaming, losing his mind, taking his headset off. It was stupid. It was just fucking stupid. It really was. It was goddamn ridiculous, and it didn't need to happen. So that was my only complaint. Outside of that, the match was fucking phenomenal, and the right person won. I just wish they could have just ended it with Brian Cage throwing the belt out, saying, I don't need it, and then the referee sending them to the back, and then have a little bit more back-and-forth action, and then Adam Page hit the buckshot lariat. That would have been great. It would have made both of them look good, and it wouldn't have made Brian Cage look stupid for not wanting the help or for being in a confrontation. So I felt the finish could have been executed much better, but the match was still great nonetheless. So props to both these guys. They opened the show fantastically. And then on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW World Tag Team titles. The Young Bucks put the titles on the line against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Now, as I mentioned before, by the time we got the internet working, it was pretty much the towards the end of this match. And after I saw the Young Bucks, do that thing where they hold Moxley's um, arms and do like double V triggers and shit and then super kicks galore and all that and then eventually win the match. That told me everything I needed to know. I didn't have to go back and watch this match and I'm not going to because I'm not going to subject myself to the super kick party. Fuck that. I, I'm not doing it. I'm, I I refused to watch the match because the finish told me everything I need to know. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston look stupid and the Bucks remain the tag team champions when there is no logical reason to keep the belts on them. They are not elevating the titles. They are not elevating the division. They are only elevating themselves. They are trying to make people think they are the best tag team in the world. They're not. They're not even in the conversation. The only time they're in the conversation is in this AEW bubble that they live in. Everyone outside of that bubble knows they are not even in the conversation. They are not worthy of being in the conversation of the best tag team in the world. There are hundreds upon hundreds of tag teams that rank higher than the dumb fucks. That's just a fact. So I didn't have to watch this match. I watched Moxley and Kingston look stupid. When they are a much better team, they are phenomenal on the mic. They are phenomenal in the ring when Moxley's not doing the deathmatch bullshit. I mean, this was the perfect time to put the tag team titles on them. Because I know once the Bucks lose, they have to split up. But here's my question. 
What's left for the Young Bucks to do? They've done it all. They've been a tag team in every company. They've won tag titles in every company they've been in. The only company they haven't been in is WWE, and they have no plans to ever go there. So why continue to be a tag team unless you want to go somewhere else and try to establish yourself somewhere else? Because you've been everywhere. They've been an impact. They've been in Ring of Honor. They've been in New Japan. They're here in AEW. They've done the indie circuit. There's nowhere else for them to go but WWE. And they don't want to go there. So as far as I'm concerned, they're done. They're done. You've done, they've done it. They've done everything they possibly can. We're not going to see anything new or special from them. They've practically killed the business and they've made money off of that by selling t-shirts and, and a book that all say killing the business. I mean, there's nothing left for these guys to do. They can't possibly degrade wrestling any more than they already have. So I didn't have to watch this match. Just the finish alone told me it was a waste of fucking time. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have the Casino Battle Royale, where the winner gets a future shot at an AEW World Championship. And the participants in this match were Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Dustin Rhodes, Max Caster, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, Ten, Nick Camarado, Serpentico, Brian Pillman Jr., Jungle Man Griff Garrison, Colt Cabana, Anthony Bowens, Pentagon Jr., Mark Quinn, Jungle Boy, Aaron Solo, Evil Uno, Lee Johnson, and the surprise entrant who ended up being none other than Leo Rush. Now, before I get into this match, I just want to say one thing. Leo Rush was the most anticlimactic surprise entrant in the history of AEW. Obviously, the crowd popped because the type of shit Leo Rush does, diehard AEW fans live for, which is, you know, flips and no selling. That's pretty much what Leo Rush is. You know, Desmond had the audacity to tell me they misused him in WWE. As far as I'm concerned, he played his role perfectly. And this was a waste of an entrant. This is a waste of a match. Because Leo Rush, to me, is absolute garbage. I have no respect for Leo Rush at all. He's just a cruiserweight spot monkey who doesn't know how to sell and probably will never learn how to sell. He just did a bunch of fast-paced bullshit that made absolutely no sense because he moved faster than the other wrestlers could register, which I guess he think makes he thinks makes him look cool. It doesn't. It makes him look fucking stupid. It makes the people he's in the ring with look fucking stupid and thus makes the business look fucking stupid. I was more surprised by the fact that Mark Henry is now a part of AEW. He's all elite, and they basically signed him on as a coach for the promotion, in addition to being a guest analyst for the Rampage TV show that premieres on TNT this fall. I'm excited to see what Mark Henry's going to do. And some say he's not going to wrestle. I hope he fucking does. And some say he's better off as a coach. Normally, I would agree with that. But in order to be a coach, in order to give advice, people have to be willing to listen. The question is, how many of these AEW spot monkey marks are going to be willing to listen? Because from what I'm seeing on TV, they're not doing a lot of listening. I really don't think they are. I think some of these guys are set in their ways. And their ways kill the business. So, as happy as I am for Mark Henry to be there, if his job is just a mentor, he's wasting his time. He's, he's definitely getting good money, but he's wasting his time. Because he's going to be forced to teach a bunch of wrestlers who don't want to be taught. Because they care more about Meltzer's opinion 
than guys who've actually been in the ring and draw money. So I'm not optimistic for Mark Henry coming in as a coach. I'd be more excited if he was getting in the ring and getting ready for one last run and getting ready to become a world heavyweight champion. I'd be more excited for that because you can't teach these guys how to take the spotlight, so you might as well take it from them so business can prosper. But anyway... Overall, I thought this was a good battle royal. Uh, Max Caster, um, you know, with the hip-hop, cutting his promo, I thought was great. Saying, you know, Christian used to have an edge to him. I thought that was great. Uh, I love the fact that he ripped apart Dustin. He ripped apart Matt Seidel. And the fact that he botched on his debut, which was great. Uh, I loved Matt Hardy being in the Battle Royal. My biggest gripe with this Battle Royal was that there were a few moments where we could have had a fight and a confrontation between Matt Hardy and Christian Cage and they fucked it up. They fucked it up twice. They just allowed other people to get in the way and then at one point Christian throws Matt Hardy out of the Battle Royal and it comes down to him and Jungle Boy and to everyone's shock and surprise and excitement, Jungle Boy wins the Battle Royal. So that means Jungle Boy is now the number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight title. He's going to get a title shot. And to be honest, I'm okay with it because I like Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy has proven to be a great in-ring worker. Now, will he win the world title? Probably not. I don't see him winning it. If he did, I think it'd be a great underdog story because I believe him as an underdog more than I do other people that try to push to be an underdog. So I would love to see Jungle boy do it i think it'd be fucking great he's definitely over and definitely deserving of course after the match we were subjected to uh marco polo uh showing up and waving into the camera and trying to get some spotlight on himself which you know desmond was mad that i was spreading so much hate towards marco's way but i'm sorry i fucking hate seeing him in a ring i'm sorry I, I can't stand it it annoys me it pisses me off it's like every time he waves in the camera, it's like, look, mama, I'm stealing a paycheck. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. Like that, that was the one thing that was bringing the mood down. And of course, after the match, Christian uh, gave Jungle Boy a hug and told him to take advantage of this opportunity and to do well with it. So he got the endorsement from Christian, which is great. Of course, Brian Pillman Jr., he had some moments in the match, but I wish he could have had more because you would think with uh, the Brian Pillman Dark Side of the Ring episodes that came out, they would be wanting to do more with Brian Pillman Jr., but they continue to sleep on him, which is fucking stupid. And then, of course, there were some guys who were just in there just to be there. Just to be fucking having a good time and just filling up the time. So it was a good battle royal. Jungle Boy won, much to the shock of everybody, but not bad. Not a bad swerve. Like I said, I personally would have been preferred Matt Hardy to win, but that's just me. Uh, I can live with uh, Jungle Boy getting a title shot. Like I said, I don't think he's going to win, but it'll be a good match to see. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson versus Anthony Agogo with Q. T. Marshall. I fucking love this match. I love it. This was wrestling. It was wrestling done right. It was two men pissed off at each other, ready to fucking throw down and fight. And that's what we saw. There were a couple of spots here and there, but they were timed perfectly. And at different times, you didn't know who the fuck was going to win this match. And even though QT tried some fun and games, Arn Anderson was there to put QT in his place. And in the end, Cody hits a backpack pile driver, gets the one, two, three, and wins the match. 
And then, of course, the crowd goes crazy, and Cody tries to amp them up, and they get amped up because, like we said, this was a full-to-capacity crowd. It wasn't like before where there's spaces in between and there's wrestlers in the front row that are planted there. It was all crowd. All crowd the way a wrestling uh, show should be. It was great. It was great to see. Both these men deserve respect from the crowd. Anthony Agogo, this guy has a future. I don't know how much longer he has left to train in the Monster Factory, but this guy is a future star. He definitely is. He is a blue chip prospect. He is a guy who I believe could one day be a world champion, if I may be so bold to make that statement. I have My respect for Anthony Agogo went up. I'll be honest, I didn't know him very well, but after this match... He has my respect. Cody, he's always had my respect when he wrestles and does it right. And this night, he did it right. It was amazing. He was the American dream for one night only, and he didn't disappoint. It was a great match. Now, hopefully, Cody can keep this momentum going and keep the babyface run for as long as he can until he decides to be a world champion, at which point that motherfucker needs to turn heel. But the more I see Cody like this, the more I want to see him with the world title. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the TNT Championship. Miro defends the title against Lance Archer. Now, if you were to talk to Desmond right now, he would tell you he didn't like this match. Which is fine. I don't judge him. He loves both competitors, but knew that whoever lost, it would look bad for them. I will respectfully disagree with that, only because this match ended in a technical submission. So Lance Archer didn't tap out. He just passed out. And if Lance was going to lose, that was the best way to do it. But before we got to that point, before we even got to Jake Roberts interfering, this match was awesome. It was hard-hitting. It told a story. And both these guys proved that they are killers in that ring. Even with Jake coming out with a snake and Miro grabbing the bag and chucking the snake far away after hitting a couple shots to Jake Roberts. I loved it. Now, obviously, you can clearly tell there was no snake in that bag. If there was, it would have got opened and Miro wouldn't have chucked it because you have to be weary of you know, abuse towards animals. There's literally, you know, PETA and ASPCA people there to make sure animals don't get hurt. Because that was this case a long time ago when Jake Roberts was feuding with Earthquake and he got tied in the ropes and Earthquake did the avalanche smash and crushed Damien. They had to see the snake before and after the segment, the ASPCA, in order to make sure there was no animal abuse happening. So what they did was they switched bags underneath the ring and they had like, you know, hamburger meat and pantyhose so that way when he hit it, blood would seep through and you would think Damien just got smashed and killed. When in reality, Damien was underneath the ring, safe and sound. So obviously in this case, Jake just brought out one bag, had nothing in it, and they chucked it. They had something in there to make it look like there was a snake, but I guarantee you there was no snake in that bag. Which is a little disappointing. Because when you see Jake, you expect to see the snake. Or the person pull out the snake and use it on Jake. But I guess in this case we didn't need it. Still, phenomenal match. Both men deserve respect. This was a championship match by two grown men who respect this business. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW Women's Championship. Hikaru Shida defends the title against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. This very well could have been the match of the night, hands down. And I never thought in a billion years I would ever say that about a women's match in AEW. In WWE, I could believe it. In NXT, I definitely would believe it. But in AEW, not a chance. Well, on this night, 
I was wrong. It was a great fucking match. The storytelling was great. The in-ring action was phenomenal. Even the new and improved glove that Britt Baker used, which I thought was like, well, that's not dentist regulation, but still did the job. And speaking of jobs, Hikaru Shida was willing to do the job, do the honors, and drop the belt to Britt Baker, which is exactly what should have happened because Shida, as much as I love her, as much as Desmond loves her, and we all know uh, Elvis considers uh, Shida one of uh, Elvis's ladies, like his secret girl friend that his wife doesn't know about but even all three of us were in total agreement that Britt Baker needed to win this match from an in-ring standpoint from a promo standpoint she is ready to be a champion I look forward to seeing at least in the highlights what Britt Baker is going to do as the women's champion the era of DMD I can't wait to see it my only complaint about this match my only gripe is that there was too many false finishes. And that's something in a match that really fucking bothers me. When you have too many false finishes. Because too many false finishes gets annoying because then you go from, oh my God, this is amazing, to Jesus Christ, we just end the fucking match already. And I got to that point with this match. As much as I was enjoying it, I was like, you know, I wasn't chanting fight forever. I was chanting wrap this shit up. That's pretty much where I was at. And eventually they did wrap this shit up and Britt Baker got the submission with the locked jaw and walked out with the title. And I love both these women. They did a fantastic job. Uh, I'm sure Sheeta will see the title again down the road, but she needs to be out of the title picture for the foreseeable future because it's time for Britt Baker to get other opponents. It's time for her to beat other opponents until it's time to bring in the perfect woman to take the belt off of her. Now, does she need to have a long reign like Sheeta? Probably not, but it needs to be decent because Britt Baker is definitely the future of the women's division. And a year ago, I would have never fucking said that. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got some tag team action. We have Sting and Emo Knievel, aka Darby Allen. I now call him Emo Knievel. I just came up with that today. Versus Scorpio Sky and all ego Ethan Page. This was a kick-ass tag team match. However, Sting, in the early going of this match, shows that he's still got it. And he's fighting with that long sleeve shirt on that, that looks like a sweater, and it fucking bothers me. I'm like, why the fuck is he wearing this to a match? I understand for an in-ring segment or even a promo, but why is he wearing this during a fucking match? Then eventually, he takes it off to reveal he's in his tights, his singlet, and then he dives off one of those uh, chip displays, you know, like the poker chip displays, and shows that he's still got it throughout the match. Whether it's, you know, diving off of something, you know, hitting multiple moves in the ring, a stinger splash, uh, you know, the scorpion deathlock, and everything else. He's showing that he's amazing. However, it felt like watching an old Michael Jordan basketball game back when Michael had like a minor injury. So he could only play for a certain period of time. Then as soon as the stopwatch went off or the, or the alarm went off, he had to go sit down for a period of time before he was allowed back in the game. That's kind of how I felt with Sting in this match. He would do all this amazing shit. Then he would tag in Darby Allen, and Darby Allen would go out there and do what he does best, which is be a human pincushion. Just go out there and take a bunch of abuse for 12 minutes and 30 seconds. 
Just take all the abuse you can. Get a couple offense in every now and then. But do the uh, daredevil, how the fuck am I not in the fucking hospital shit that he does. And then eventually tag in Sting. And then Scorpio Sky goes for a move. Sting counters it. Hits a Scorpion Death Drop. One, two, three. The winners of the match, Sting and Darby Allen. And I was not expecting Sting to get the win here. I honestly thought this team was going to win. It was going to be Emo Knievel executing the finisher for the win. The coffin drop, shit. But instead, it was Sting pinging Scorpio Sky. I can't quite say whether or not this buries Scorpio Sky. Because he did lose to a legend. And I'm intrigued to see if anything happens in the future with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. But, at least with Sting, they showed he still got it. He can still work a match, and he can still do great. And I know we talked about this on the Dynamite episode, but based on how good Sting showed he was in this match, I want to see him go for the world title. I want him to be an AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And I want him to do it for two reasons. One, because he's an icon and it will put honor and prestige on the belt. And two, to shove it up Triple H and Vince McMahon's asses for the way he was booked in WWE, which was atrocious. But one thing I will give AEW all the credit in the world for, they know what to do with Sting. And I'm loving every second of it. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have a triple threat match for the AEW World Heavyweight title. Kenny Omega defends the title against Orange Cassidy and Pac. This was very much a what the fuck match. This was all the spot monkey shit you could ever dream of from Kenny Beta and TK's little dog Pockets. They did all their shit. Got all their shit in. Pac was the only one in this match that wasn't a disappointment. Pac is never a disappointment because he knows how to work. The other two only know how to play. It's for goddamn ridiculous. In fact, the only thing Orange Cassidy did that I thought was cool was that when Omega was going for the Snapdragon suplex on the top rope and Kenny and no, Orange Cassidy is trying to break the hold, like breaking the master lock, he breaks it by getting his arms down low and sticking them in his pockets to ultimately break the, uh, the full Nelson. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was great. I love the fact that they did that. I thought it was phenomenal and very well done. That's the only thing Orange Cassidy did that I thought was well done. As far as the finish goes, it was garbage. Why? Because they gave multiple false finishes to Orange Cassidy, which I'll admit in this case was actually good because it did keep me on the edge of my seat. But then they had a moment where Dumb Don Callis interferes. And when he does... Kenny gets one by one all four of the belts that he has. And he hits Pac all four times with each belt. One, two, three, four, boom. Each belt hits him in the head. But then all of a sudden, Orange Cassidy comes out, does a bunch of crazy shit. Kenny reverses it into a crucifix pin. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Kenny Omega. Now, I had a feeling that Kenny Omega was going to retain. I didn't see Orange Cassidy winning the title. And I don't think he should because he's not a world champion. I didn't see Pac winning the title, but would have been okay if he did. But it was not in the cards for Pac to win the title, I could easily tell. As far as I'm concerned, Kenny should have just hit Pac with all four belts, pinned him one, two, three, and have that be the end of it. Instead of having to do that fuckery pinfall to try to set something up with Orange Cassidy. Because again, Orange Cassidy does not deserve to be a world champion. On this plan or any other. I don't care how much the fans worship Orange Cassidy. He is not a world champion. He is a comedy wrestler. He is a joke. The fact that he still does those stupid fucking shin kicks. Which is why I'm glad Pac kicked him in the balls. Because that's exactly what you should do when he does that stupid shit. That's an embarrassment to the business and everyone in it. So, 
Like I said, match would have been decent, but the finish sucked and there was too much playfulness. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening, the Stadium Stampede match, the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know what hot shot booking is, if you want to know what it's like to watch a porno that starts off with an orgasm and ends with foreplay, if you want to see a faction get buried quick, fast, and in a goddamn hurry, if you want to see what happens... When you take a match style that has no business being on the card and putting it on a pay-per-view after you just had a kick-ass match on free fucking TV that should have been on this pay-per-view, please watch the Stadium Stampede match. Because that's exactly what the fuck we saw in this match. The fact that this was on pay-per-view was fucking disgusting. The fact it was the main event was fucking disgusting and shows you just how valuable the AEW world title really is that it's not your main event. So what does that say about your belt and your champion? You don't have much faith in either one. And not only that, but this is the first pay-per-view in a very long time that had fans in the stands at full capacity. So why in the fuck... Are they in a football stadium? I said this on the Dynamite Go Home Show. And I will say it again because it bears repeating. Last year when they did the stadium stampede match to replace Blood and Guts because they had to have a definitive ending to the inner circle versus the elite. I was completely okay with it. I endorsed it. I enjoyed it. Other people shit on it. But I understood the reasoning for why the match existed. Because you were in a building with little to no people. And the only people they had to entertain during the pandemic is the people watching at home. So I got it. I understood it. There's a lot of things in wrestling that I normally would never condone. But I let them go. I let it slide because we were in a pandemic. And they had to do what they had to do to entertain the crowd sitting at home during the pandemic. You had no fans in the stands to cater to. So it made sense. Now you have fans in full capacity. And while they're sitting in Daly's place, they're watching on a monitor. These guys fuck around on a football field. They didn't even have the common courtesy to kind of throw up a commercial or something and try to move these guys into the fucking stadium to watch the fucking match. You're making them watch on a monitor. Why the fuck would you make a live audience watch on a monitor? We've been doing that shit for a fucking year. Our whole lives during this pandemic has been in front of screens. Kids have been going to school virtually online. People have been working from home and communicating with their bosses online through Zoom. And the reason was because we were doing the best we could with a situation we're in. There is no fucking reason anymore, at least for AEW, because WWE, they're not back at full capacity yet. They're not getting fans back yet, and they have, they're not doing that shit till July. And I think as far as pay-per-view goes, they're waiting till SummerSlam to actually have fans back full-time. They're waiting for SummerSlam. 
There is no reason anymore for any of these matches to take place. There is no logical reason to have a stadium stampede match anymore. This match needs to go away and fuck off forever. There is no more reason to have multiple cinematic matches anymore. That's done. The only time I want to see a cinematic match is if it involves Broken Matt Hardy. If it doesn't involve Broken Matt Hardy, I don't fucking care about it anymore. It's done. It was good for its time. It served its purpose. It's fucking done. The stadium stampede needs to go away and go away forever. And the only way you should ever bring this back is if you're going to have people sitting in the fucking stadium itself. If you're not going to put people in the stands, in the stadium, don't do the fucking match. So that's my first gripe. Now, before I get into the other things that piss me off, I'm going to get into some of the things that I enjoyed in this match. What I enjoyed most was that the fight took place in multiple areas, but that it had the right people going one-on-one. First off, you had the leaders. Chris Jericho versus MJF. Them beating the crap out of each other and doing entertaining shit. Like using a business office chair, sliding him through a door, having him flip over a railing and go through a table. Uh, Chris Jericho using a megaphone. Chris Jericho slamming a table into MJF. Throwing footballs at each other. Uh, it was violent. It was physical. It, it did the job. The hot coffee. Everything. Then you had Jake Hager and Wardlow. The two muscular big men enforcers fighting each other in a meat locker, hitting each other with wa- water bottles and, you know, just in carrying cases and shit. It was great. Then you had the young guys, the future of this industry. Because everybody, every faction has a person that's molded into being the future. For the Inner Circle, it's Sammy Guevara. For the Pinnacle, it's Sean Spears. You had them fighting each other. They took over the bulk of the match, which was fucking perfect. And then you had the tag teams. You had Santana and Ortiz and Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood fighting in the stadium against each other. You had the tag teams against each other. You had the future against each other. You had the enforcers against each other. And you had the leaders against each other. It made perfect sense and it was a fucking work of art. Even at one point, they're fighting in a dance club and Conan's the DJ. That was a little bit entertaining. Uh, the crazy shit um, that Sean Spears and um, Sammy Guevara were doing to each other. Bringing back the golf cart, being as violent to each other as possible. And not only that, the one thing I will give credit for is after all the shit in Daly's place, they eventually bring it back to the ring. Jericho and MJF fight in the stands. Eventually, uh, Guevara and and Spears make their way to the ring. And, you know, Sammy goes for a high-flying move. Sean Spears hits him with the chair, goes for the cover, one, two, and a kick out. As far as I'm concerned, that should have been a three count. That should have ended the match right there. But they went the extra mile. In the end, Sammy Guevara gets the one, two, three, and the inner circle wins this match. So basically, stick a fork in the pinnacle, they're fucking done. The pinnacle, who in my opinion is a much better faction, who in my opinion has more to give to the company, and in my opinion is a faction that needs to hold all the gold in AEW, just got embarrassed royally in a stadium stampede match. That should have never happened in the first fucking place. Blood and Guts should have been here. And the way Blood and Guts ended on AEW TV is the way it should have ended on this pay-per-view. With the Pinnacle winning, Jericho getting injured, and writing Jericho off TV. Especially since it looks like he's supposed to be doing some stuff with Fozzie. Because Fozzie just came out with their new single. So I'm assuming they have an album coming out as well. And that eventually they're going to go on tour to promote that album. They're going to be performing, doing gigs. So let Jericho... So in my opinion, the inner circle should have broke up. 
especially with what they present on Dynamite, making it seem like it's going to be their last time. Because here's the question I'm going to throw at everybody. What the fuck is left for the inner circle to do? Nothing. They've done everything they possibly can as a faction. They did the job they needed to do. Jericho ain't going for the world title again anytime soon. I doubt Santana and Ortiz are going to be tag team champions. I don't see Sammy G or Jake Hager going for the TNT championship or becoming a tag team themselves. It just ain't going to happen. So as far as I'm concerned, they've done it all. They need to split up. Jericho needs to go away for a while. Sammy G needs a push. Jake Hager needs to go do some stuff because it looks like now he's getting better at cutting promos, so maybe he needs to establish himself as a big man on his own. And Santana and Ortiz need to try to get in line for a tag team title shot because it looks like the Young Bucks are fighting through, are blowing through everybody. But the Pinnacle has more to do. Now, technically, the Pinnacle doesn't have to disband. But how do we take the Pinnacle seriously when they just lost the match to the Inner Circle after just embarrassing them in blood and guts? Where do they go from here? How do I take the pinnacle seriously? The finish to this match was stupid. It didn't need to happen. It didn't need to be this way. The pinnacle should have won this match. Because they have more to give. They have more to do. The inner circle has nothing left to do as a faction. They need to go their separate ways. Maybe get some title shots. Do something. But as a faction, there is nothing left to give. And we got the pinnacle with a victory over the inner circle. And the inner circle with a victory over the pinnacle. So if there is there going to be a rubber match between these factions? And if so, how the fuck do you top Blood and Guts and Stadium Stampede? What the fuck is next? I know Desmond's just that five-on-five buried alive match. But as crazy as AEW is, they're not going to do that shit. So what else do you do? Or do you just not have a rubber match and move on? Because there's no reason to do this other than for Chris Jericho to want the fans in the stands to sing his song and stroke his ego. Never let it be said that Jericho is not egotistical. Because I'm telling you right now, Jericho's in no position to judge anybody for having an overinflated ego in the business ever. Because I guarantee you, that's the reason they beat the pinnacle. So Jericho can stroke his ego, having a full capacity crowd go, I become, I become, I become, and I become, I become, I become, man. Judas in, Judas in my mind. That's the reason. That's the only reason. So, while there were moments that were good, overall, Master's Disappointment. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of AEW Double or Nothing 2021. Like I said, overall, this pay-per-view was great. Obviously, I did get mad about a few things, but there were a lot of good matches on this card, so I don't want to take anything away from that. There were guys who delivered on this show and were fantastic. There were guys who sucked the gay out of Liberace's anus to a bendy straw, and I gave you guys both areas, so hopefully you guys are motivated to check this pay-per-view out. I highly recommend it. And on that note, make sure you guys are following us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or follow us on all four to be a real true fan. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content on there for you guys to check out. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. I just recently posted a photo on there of Elvis and his big screen TV that he bought with his uh, bonus check that he got from uh, Geico. So uh, make 
make sure you guys uh, check that out there. And also, I'm going to have some pictures soon from his trip to Myrtle Beach. So that'll be up there soon as well. So follow us on Instagram to get all the latest. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got great YouTube content up there, including our Episonic series, Boochcast reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, we got a bunch of videos coming soon. We're going to be having the Brian Pillman videos, as well as the Ultraviolence of Nick Gage, of course, the Collision in Korea, and the Smith family. Those are all going to be coming soon, as well as the Ultimate Warrior. We'll be having those episodes up there very soon. We just got to find the time to film them, but we will be having them up there soon, so make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you don't miss another episode of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring. You'll know when they'll be posted, and in the meantime, in between time, check out the other 16 episodes that we got. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next one will be August 21st for WWE SummerSlam. Also, that's where we're going to be doing our live D&D show that hopefully will be coming soon. I just found out on Facebook that uh, John Tumblin and his fiance finally got the keys uh, to their new house. So I think that they're either about to move in there or already have. I will be talking with John later because I'm going to see if he'll be joining me for the NXT recap that'll be coming out later this week so uh, depending on the situation he'll either be there or he won't but if he's if he's not he has assured me that will be hopefully the last time that John has to sit out an NXT recap for the time being so once John gets settled into that house and we can set a date we will have the Boochcast D&D show coming your way with a big surprise that I still can't reveal yet but when the time is right you guys will hear all about it and it is fucking amazing this surprise also make sure you guys support the show by going to anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support where you can support the podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes it allows us to uh, keep the lights on it allows us to uh, upgrade the equipment bring in bigger name guests as well as take care of the guys who work hard here behind the scenes to make the Boochcast possible. So if you got a favorite co-host, you think they deserve to be paid, support us through Anchor to make that happen. And you have three options for a monthly contribution. You can either use option A, which is 99 cents per month. That's literally a dollar. So if you got a dollar to spend, you can literally just send it here instead of wasting time giving it to a homeless person because with all due respect to the homeless, you don't know where that money's going to go. Here, you know exactly where that money's going to go. So you can purchase for 99 cents per month. Or you can give a contribution of 4.99 per month, which is basically how much you would pay for a Peacock subscription if you wanted to watch stuff through the Peacock network. Uh, rather than waste your money on Peacock, you can bring it here to the Boochcast, where we're guaranteed to give you amazing, great content. And of course, we have the third option, where you can support the show for a mere $9.99. That's right. For the exact cost it would have given you to have a subscription to the WWE Network, you can take that money, especially if you live in the United States and your network subscription got canceled. You can come here, give it to the Boochcast. We will be providing you with 10 times the better entertainment. So please support the show. Pick your options. And we will be coming up with specific rewards for each topic 
very, very soon. So if you support now, once we come up with the ideas, we will be sure to send those out to you. So whether you support the show now or if you wait till we come out with the, uh, you know, prizes for the people that, you know, pick their subscription spot, either way, guaranteed, we'll put your name down and you will get it. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.